All right, everyone, welcome to Outside Our Walls today. Thanks for joining us. Um, this podcast exists because we want to make sure that we as an anchor church are uh, listening to outside voices. We don't want to become a church that thinks we are the wisest, smartest, um, greatest, have all the wisdom. It's quite frankly, we don't. Um, I am a, I'm a pastor, um, but I am a, a sheep first that has, has lots to learn and lots to grow in. Um, and so we want to benefit from other, other people, other wisdom today. I, I have with me a friend of mine, Steve Ross. He is um, a pastor. He um, is a pastor in California. I'm going to tell you about his church here in a second. He also uh, currently is the director of diversity in X29 West. And that could be changed a little bit, but, but he's been doing that for, uh, for a while. Um, written some, some good articles just about helping us think through that as well. I was reading one reading one or two yesterday, 2018, I think he wrote, wrote something, uh, which was helpful. And um, he has also got eight kids. And so I think he can help us think through parenting. <laughs> he'd, probably, he'd probably say parenting, um, every, every good parent says I can help you with mistakes, but, the, but uh, I know that I would say the same thing, man. Dylan <laughs> <laughs> so I so man, thanks for jumping in with us, man. I yeah, I'm no doubt. Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell us. So you're at you're at um you're at Arise Ventura. Give me yeah. give me a bit. You've been there for a couple years now, or no? You've been there longer than yeah. that, but you've been a pastor. Give me some. You just yeah. You know what? It's, it's best for people to understand the story that uh, just from the history. So we've been here three years, and for the first two years, um we were with the church that had been established five years prior. So the work as a whole, I guess at this point, would be headed toward an eight year mark, if you would, coming up, it would have been at the beginning of um, 2021. And that church was seed. Sean Garman planted that church. And um, he called me up three years ago to help him establish some discipleship rhythm and like bring about some structure, raise up some leaders, do some leadership development. And uh, around that time, Sean started increasing his responsibilities with Acts 29. He's now uh, the regional executive director, which would have been the network director for Acts 29 US West. Yeah. And at the time, he was like an assessment coordinator for 15 to 20 hours a week. Then it went to half time. Then it went to full time as an associate network director. And the whole time, I'm working by vocationally, and I start preaching not just once a quarter, you know, I'm preaching like once a month. And I'm preaching every other week. And then, so it kind of went like that, you know, but we also saw some attrition in our church that was like a, a shift. As I started bringing discipleship culture, a lot of more, I'm more formal than Sean is. And sometimes can be experienced more rigid. And a lot of people were like, hey, I didn't sign up for that. We start talking about membership. They're like, man, this ain't a, so they said a, a um, what do they call it? <laughs> I'll, I'll remember it. But they basically said, we didn't sign up for that. <laughs> a social club or like a... No, no, no. It was, it's so funny. I'll think of it, man. Uh, and it's like, it's just left, you know? Like, we're not doing that. So I was like, all right, we get it. So uh, anyway, bottom line is, uh, toward the end of last spring, we came to a spot where we say, you know, we have a good core group of people who are following my leadership. And Sean and I have been talking about me taking over as lead pastor. So I replanted the church, kind of shut down for the summer. And, uh, you know, June, um, got back in together in August and worked a little bit toward like gathering who's going to be with us and what's that going to look like? What's going to be a new development of the church? And so we relaunched on September 29th mm -hmm. of 2019. 
So yeah, coming up on a year with a rise where we call ourselves a radically diverse group of world changers, right? Uh, and we got our, we got our, you know, our up in and out. So we exalt Christ, we embrace community and we engage culture together. Um, and so it's a, it's a wonderful mix. Ventura is a great place, paradise like, but it's also a very divided community. So our church is pretty prophetic in that regard because people across every socioeconomic status, ethnically and culturally diverse are together on mission, walking, working and worshiping together. And it's like, yeah, that that's not the norm in our town, you know. No. So you guys have, you guys have um, when you say it's divided, I think I remember watching your 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 video. You have a video. If you want to check it out, um, there's a um, Steve. Their his church rising church has got it on X twenty nine's. I think it's on their website. It's yeah. got a, a little blurb on the church. Which, by the way, we were supposed to have that the day uh, the week they were going to come film. Um, was the week everything shut down in the country. <laughs> so, okay. so we're like, well, that's just, it is what it is, man. But, wow. but go take a look at it. I think you were saying that there's like a, there's like a dividing line, right? Like it's sure. like on one side, yeah. one side it's one Yeah, you know, most people side. won't admit it, but it is so true. There's the way the, ta- the, the city is built, kind of come out of this um, downtown strip and around and it's just, it's, it's like, it's, it's uh, a, a vast, spread from downtown to midtown over into the uh east end and even out toward oxnard camarillo i mean it just keeps going but right at that hill to uh, where the city and things start where really historically things begin it's called the west side and when i first moved here people told me things like hey don't go to the west side Mm. hey you don't want to be over there on the avenue it's ventura avenue okay i'm like why not you know you go over there and you just like a crazy, like the socioeconomic divide is clear. Uh, our town is maybe 30% Hispanic, but the community there is 95% Hispanic in terms of who lives over there, right? Yeah. Uh, the community is 1.8% African-American, large number of those individuals would live down toward the west side. And so what it was is like, you see this, um, it's behind the hill. It's not part of the surf culture. It's not part of the beach and the paradise in the downtown. And it's like largely been rejected. And we, we just see like the gospel reconciles all that, you know, yeah. reconciles every single one of those people to God through Jesus, right, by faith. And so then um, is also able to reconcile all those people together. And so basically we just are intentionally a, a church in Ventura for the avenue, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's kind of how um that uh you know in the video you can maybe hear a little bit more and you can even see some of the shots right you see like certain parts of interior it's like oh wow that's a nice pier and then other places where it's like oh okay i can tell that's a more rundown neighborhood and we just see like the integration of that is the mission that god's called us to yeah that's good i think i think you know we've talked about this um um and we're gonna we're gonna try and do a series on this i think in the spring but um the, the theology uh, doctrine of the Imago Dei mm. helps, helps to really grasp what you just said about every single person in the city. It doesn't matter um, of their ethnic, ethnic background, um, their cultural heritage, their, their uh, socioeconomic, you know, where they are socioeconomically. If, every, if we understand everybody to be made in the image of God needs to be reconciled to their creator. It actually helps. I think it actually helps mission. It, ha- it helps us to think through mission less on the, 
don't go to there, but more, how can we, how can we go to there? Or how can we go on that side? Do you guys, do you agree with that? Any any wisdom on that? Any thoughts? No, I mean, that, that that is uh, central to the gospel's call for the Christian, right? The kingdom is in the margins and it's not to the negation of whatever would be more um, centrally focused in society, whether that be based on money or culture, ethnicity, as you know, we consider even racial issues. The truth is, is that God was very kind to us to send us in Christ the example for how he's always been about going to the least. He's always been about going and bringing the sojourner in. He's always been about integrating and also, and not even from a like, you must assimilate to the dominant culture, more so you're also a part of the family. Yeah. And so, you know, starting with the Imago Dei, when people see others as projects and they don't see them as individuals, they don't, I I tell my kids all the time, that's not a bum because they see someone and say that, right? They, They don't care if he sleeps under a bridge. He's a man who's created in the image of God. And image bearers have inherent dignity, they have value, they have worth, and Christ has come to uh, like to redeem that that um, in all of us, right? That the redemption that we have is a restoration of the image that has been marred by sin. So just because I don't look all jacked up, right? Or just because I, uh, you know, have uh, some kind of a vast diversity from the people who might be around me doesn't diminish my dignity. And Christ is saying like, hey, all of that is is uh, um, meant for, for oneness. And even in the church, as we um, live in light of that, and we work really um, intentionally about it. You know, John 17 and praying, he's praying for our oneness, praying for our, our unity. It, what we see is that that gives an evangelistic appeal to the world because he says, if they're one like you and I have been one, Father, then the world will know that you love them and that you sent me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And right. so for us, it's like life and lips. It's an opportunity for us to like preach the gospel and also live out of that provocative witness. Yeah, that's good. It, it's so hard, I think, to not tribalize ourselves. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, I know why that is, because it's sin in us and we, we run towards familiarity, you know, things like that. Um, but that's not, that's not who Jesus is. Like, that's not who Jesus calls us to be. So when we think about it, even from the standpoint of one of the things I think Jesus hated about the Hated in the godly sense, <laughs> not hated in the in the human sense. Hated in the godly yeah. sense. Yeah. About the Pharisees was their exclusive exclusivity, mm. because they felt like they were the ones that had it all together, and yet their life didn't match their doctrine. Mm. And um, you know, when he's trying to call them out on things, he's calling them out mainly on their their hyper superiority or something like that that just gave them some sort of leg up on everybody else. Yeah. And I think we don't deal, we, well, I think we do deal with that. I think we're more Pharisees than we know. Um, mm. I, think, uh, I think we need to be careful. Mm. I think American evangelicalism has um, just such a, especially reformed American evangelicalism, has a, a bent towards Phariseeism and fundamentalism that is, man, it is dangerous for the church. And I, 
I just, I think, I think thinking about diversity, actually thinking about it in context of the Imago Day, it, it can bust us out of that pretty quickly if yep. we actually spend the time. Yeah. And just to piggyback on, on the part you're just talking about, right? We think about our theological persuasions that have like kind of getting us into a tribe or a camp. And you think about, you know, reformed theology and whatnot, and even fundamentalism and how it has influenced those things. And even we, we, we probably want to shake a lot of that off. And yeah. so we work really hard not to do that. But just the way in which we even go about it is all in that mindset of thinking. It's all up here. It's orthodox, has to be didactic, and it has to be doctrinal, right? And we miss the orthopraxy. And uh -huh. so... If, if, if we are thinking about it right, then what does it do? It leads us to practicing something. And that's why, I, you know, we try to do a really good job of saying, hey, we're going to hold these things in tandem because it's both and and not the either or. Mm -hmm. And you got to think deeply about some things so that you can feel deeply about some things. Compassion, right? It's going to come mm -hmm. about because you can understand and whatever. But then those things are really going to happen in the context of relationships, and so when you move close to people, when you serve people, that's where you see the fruit. So that's my hope and my prayer. And not only for, you know, our church, but also other local churches and our network, you know, even as we talk about how to do some of that together with the other churches, you know. And yeah. yeah, man. And that's why I think it's good. You, it's good that you are, um, have, have at least for a season um, kind of, overseen the uh diversity just helping us process and think through diversity in acts 29 tell me a little bit about what that means like what does yeah. that mean for you how, how are you thinking about that role yeah so you know it just a few years ago came to the spot where uh before i even had really entered the network um but was in um transition coming up to help sean he was telling me about the things that were happening in the network some of the focus groups that had come about, some of the uh, you know guys being at the conference in Reno, and um, just really assessing where things were and where you want to go, and um, the network leadership team had determined that they wanted to have someone that would kind of help to shape things toward being uh, a, a more um realistic and true representation of the global church we are a diverse global family right in x29 and uh the the hope and the goal was to be able to have that to be something that is you can see it and experience it right it's not just like we're talking about it because we got churches that are in um lebanon we we're so grateful for pastor marwan and city bible church and the fact that we can help them, you know, over in Beirut and whatnot. Uh, but at the same time, the U.S. West is comprised of every tribe, tongue, and nation lives here. Yeah. And we have a great opportunity to be intentionally reaching the nations. And so uh, we just wanted to, like, be, like, do things on purpose. And so it got down to how do we focus on retention? So we have some churches that have come in. Hispanic churches, African American churches, and they felt not welcome. Yeah. Korean, uh, Korean pastor said, "Man, all the guys who are in my circle always say, why are you over there in that white network?' Right? And so he's like, they want me to leave, and I want them to come in. Well, he's got two hundred other reformed, gospel-centered, 
missional churches that don't see Acts 29 as a place for them. Yeah. We saw that as something that needed to needed some attention for change. So what are the things that need to transition to change? So it's like meetings, talking, focusing in on things, having conversations, doing, getting some, uh, you know, like letting people be honest about their experience and bringing that to the network leadership team so that they can hear it and know things that maybe it's like, whoa, I would have never even known that, you know? Um, and then so that on the retention side, it's like, how do we better keep people here? But then at the same time, like I just said with the pastor who shares about his, uh, his network, the, the recruiting side of it is how do we help people from every tribe, tongue, and nation see Acts 29 U.S. West as an accessible network so that they can come and see like, yeah, I want assessment. I want coaching. I want training. I want support. I am a gospel-centered. I am missional. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm driven by these, these same things. And uh, then therefore, like, that's a place for us. And so working through that, you just realize that you got to be intentional with it. So we taught some workshops. I've been able to get around and do some uh, teaching at local churches, right? Um, I I always tell people, same thing I said a minute ago, it's going to happen in the context of relationships. It's not about like going and doing the big, oh, let's just recruit all these black people to come, you know, or whatever. Let's let's get all the paid <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah, let's get all the Asian guys and just, we just bring them in. It's not like that. It's relational, right? It's going to happen. Uh, with the consistency and um, slow rotation. So even in something like what we're doing now, it's just one of the um, one of the opportunities that it has afforded me to uh, to help our our churches and our family to think through these things so that they can empower and equip the people in their churches to even be more biblically astute when it comes to issues of the Imago Dei and diversity, and then also to be able to help folks when they say like, yeah, we want to plant over in this community or we want our church to look more like our community. How do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. I, I, I think, first of all, I love that we're intentionally thinking through how not to just bring people in. Um, That's, I guess that's a goal in and of itself, but how to make them feel apart like there's mm-hmm. a, i think those are different things like you come in and you feel like oh yeah i'm here but to not but then to feel apart this isn't just a bunch of white guys you mm-hmm. know going, oh, this is you know we're a bunch of white dudes and this is cool like i i mean fine but i that's not the kingdom i mean yeah. the kingdom is the kingdom is a lot a lot more um rich than that a lot more mm-hmm. beautiful than that and um and to, again, to break it down to, we can talk divides over skin color, but if you do just break it, this is why I think the Imago Dei is so important, because if you break yeah. it down to the Imago Dei, then it's like, well, we're all the same. <laughs> I yeah. mean, from the standpoint of all made sure. in God's image, beautifully sure. diverse, yeah. culturally diverse, and God did that on purpose to show his beauty um, and how and how he's, you know, how we all are different. Our differences show God's glory, um, and I think that's great. But then being able to come together, united under Jesus, where people feel welcomed and um, their voices are heard and their skin colors are prized and all of those things, I just love that we're thinking through that because I think that that is a such a man, it's such a needed thing. I mean, look, let's just be honest. This season of life is man. This year has been tough. Oh man, come on, bro. Like it's tough. I mean, I and so I mean, your job is hard. Um, this year hasn't made it any 
easier, or maybe in some ways it has made it easier because at least it's not a conversation piece. Like at least we can talk about it. Um, you know like, what? I never, I never even thought about that. But you're so right. I like it has made it easier. And I and I'll say this on record. <laughs> there was yeah. two years ago we were in Reno, and I got a bunch of pastors coming up to me like, "Why do we even need to talk about this?" And then some of those same pastors called my phone. Hey, can you talk to not just me, but my whole elder team? Yeah. Yep. And it's like, yep. oh, okay. Oh, you. It has made it easier because it was always an issue. And what's happened in this twenty in twenty twenty, there's been a little bit of a reckoning, you know what I mean? And so yeah. now it's like it's on everybody's plates, and we can't ignore it. Um, yeah, but it's easy to ignore when there's no problems. Yeah, man. But all of a sudden, you got problems, and we got to say, well, how do we think through this? I think one of the things for the church, and I and I love again, I love that we've. It's it's a gift. Actually, I think this is a gift for Acts twenty nine that this was recognized before two thousand before twenty twenty. That's true. Because because if it's just, it was proactively considered as opposed to reactionary, right? So like to react to something is fine, but it just seems token. Like it seems like oh fine, That's I good. Do this, as opposed Jay, to yeah, everything you're saying. Yes, Jay, you're saying it. You're saying it. I was on a call recently with our team that's uh, national, and they were talking about hey how how do we respond? How do we respond? And it actually came up in that conversation where we're saying, hey, well, the first thing we need to remember is that we do respond. We don't yeah. react. Yeah, right, right. So everybody who wants to react really quickly is trying to excuse responsibility, trying to maybe win friends and influence people, seem as though they're in the know, and make sure that nobody loops them into whatever camp they don't want to be associated with and whatnot. They're motivated by things that can oftentimes be disingenuous. Responses... Right. Sometimes Jesus responds days later and everybody's trying to figure out why you didn't come. He wouldn't have died. Did he not say that? Did they not yeah. say that? Lazarus yeah. would not have passed away if you would have come. He said, that's actually not true. Yeah. Right? right? He waited intentionally so that the works of God could be seen. And so the thing is, is that it's been a beautiful thing. If you've looked at, like, people are always like, well, where do I start? Man, we put together a, a, catalog, a catalog of resources. Yeah. You go into that. We're like, hey, go start here. You want to know about ethnic diversity? You want to know about cultural diversity? You want to know about uh, how to do uh, multi-ethnic ministry? Whatever. We put a whole list together. Read this. Read that. Blogs, books, articles, the whole nine. We wrote our own position paper, things like that. But it takes time because we're thinking through it like saying, we've been proactive about this work. And we're looking for forward to the time when that's an expression that's clear in the U.S. West. It's already clear when you go to Global Gathering. You cannot yeah, right. deny the fact that Acts 29 is a, is a diverse global family. We just yeah. wanted to be able to do better with that in the West. And uh, so anyway, at the national level, we just had this conversation. I bring it up just to say the difference between reacting and responding is, you know, one is uh, in the moment, oftentimes not thought through. And it can be, like I said, it's not genuine. And the other, the response is like, what is the right thing to do? Which is really what you talk about when you ask about justice and mercy. Yeah, right. right. It's right. like, what is what is the right thing to do? Okay, let's do that. And yeah. uh, it's not always like, I just got something to say every time something comes across my timeline, I'm sharing everything. I'm responding to everybody really quickly on my timeline. And I'm saying this, that, and a whole bunch of 50 statements. Like, we're working for unity in diversity. We're working yeah. for integration and oneness. And man, you can't do that by always boxing and defending. No, no, you can't. Sometimes you got to throw the uppercut. Yeah, 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 so true. But yeah, this 2020 has been a crazy year. So it's made it easier. 
because I've gotten to be able to have the conversation with people who otherwise it wasn't really on their radar and they've seen the need for it because it didn't just happen in society, but it also then incited things in their church where they saw that people were pretty diametrically opposed to each other on things that the gospel has a central, um, uh, you know, where they, they're supposed to meet in the middle. They're like, yeah. oh, there's polarizing perspectives. And so yeah. it's been good to try to help through, you know, yeah. um, churches with some of that. But it's also just been tough, man. I've been fighting like despair, you know, like sometimes it's just like, I can't, I can't believe it. We're walking through this book with our, um, a few people in our church and they asked, you know, the, the book in the study guide just says, hey, what would be your big dream prayer that you would ask God for in this day based on what you're seeing? And I said, my big dream um, is that we'd stop seeing the public killings of African-Americans by law enforcement, because no matter if it was a right or a wrong, right? No matter if it was justified or unjustified, it's desensitizing us and it is dehumanizing us. Right. It's right. desensitizing the society. Society. Dehumanizing black people. Yeah. Right? Because the first thing you think of is like, well, he some must have deserved it or whatever. Or it's just like, I don't know if we're supposed to just watch people get killed like that. Yeah, I know. You understand? I, actually, I know we're not. <laughs> so it's just so it's one of those moments where I'm like, hey, you know what? My big prayer is like, Lord, can you make it stop? Because I see that Satan is using it to further divide people. He hates the Imago Day. He does, yeah. He yeah. hates he hates the human race that is one, that is one blood. He does not like us. And so he's dividing it. Or he's 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 causing division. He's 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 using this to bring about division, and I think that the church in this day, um, in America, is really having to like do business with the fact that we've been okay with some of that. Yeah, longest things have been peacetime, but now it's wartime. And now it's, it seems like it. I mean, it's that's where it feels like it. And you know, we it's not like the country hasn't been in worse spots. I mean, we're not we're not quite at war yet. We had a similar war. Um, yeah. So we've we've been divided yeah. in a lot of ways over this issue for a really long time. Um, it just comes to a head now, which I, this is where I think the church has an opportunity to step up and um, show the beauty of Christ. Like I and I, you know, th- there's we've talked about one of our one of our values. You gave you gave some of your values earlier. I think as as rising church, one of our values is passionately one. Okay. And I said something to everybody. And so I goes, the passionately one's easy to say. It's really hard to practice in seasons like this. Because everybody's got their, I mean, even, let's just even go, not even race, let's just go um, wearing masks. Like, man, like you can find some division, like, you know, that's going to be divisive. And people don't Direct. know. And so, um, but if we believe the Bible, you know, there is one body, mm. one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that you're called to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Like that's these right. things. And so we, we just need to prize that and see it. And I was talking to, I mentioned earlier to you, I was talking to Tyler St. Clair on one of these podcasts earlier. So I use the first one I did right after Mount Arbery. It was before George Floyd. Got it. And I just was asking him, like, what, what can we do as a, um, you know, I'm a white pastor. You know, I'm a white male. So, like, from the standpoint of, of hierarchy and culture, um, in our culture anyway, a white male 
middle-class pastor. Like I could, you know, so like you kind of go, well, in some like the top of the pecking order in some ways, yeah. how can I benefit? Like, how can I learn? And his thought, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, but he said, in terms of diversity, how can we just learn? He said, listen, um, I don't need it. We don't need statistics. Yeah. You don't need to help. You don't need to give me some statistics. Um, but listen to my experience. And I, I just think that there's something about coming alongside uh, another human being and listening mm-hmm. and benefiting and um, trying to understand, like trying to understand and ask questions. Any, any other thoughts from, for us on that? Yeah. Like as I would totally that. affirm what um, Tyler said. I would say that that is just especially the starting point. You know, it's like you got to listen, which is how you're going to learn. Um, and, you know, behind that, I think that the, the steps that are taken in listening and learning lead us to lament. Um, I, I used to be a Baptist preacher, all right? Hey, man, go for it. <laughs> give, me, give me a little bit, man. Give it to me. You know, in Acts 29, man, I, like, I can give you the points. Yeah, I can't give you all the passion all the time. I don't want to get people, like, trying to figure out, like, what's happening? Cue to Oregon, you know? I'm just playing. Hey, so we, could use, is, we, could, we could use a little Oregon, bro. We can oh. benefit from that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> hey, look. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you're so funny. So, I'm just, I was just going to say, like, honestly, lament happens and almost like what I was talking about with compassion because proximity, yeah. right, increases our ability to feel. It's like, okay, I've actually heard this out. I've, I've listened to the, the experience of my brother who doesn't see things like me, or I've, I've heard the experience of my sister who has not, um, you know, who, whose, whose life doesn't look like mine. And I've learned that that actually hurts them. And as a body, that means that it hurts me too. And so it can lead me to weeping with those who weep. And I think um, that's what I'm leading my church through that book, you know, is just, a, is really about like, how do we lament together? Um, which is, we don't complain about God, but we complain to him and, and it postures our hearts for worship. It reminds us that it's like, hey, this is actually the most Christian thing I can do is I can take my burdens to him. And I think that white uh, evangelical Christian gospel center, whatever you want to call, you know, yourself, uh, individuals right now have such a unique and a wonderful opportunity to come alongside their brothers and sisters of color uh, to help us not be like a voice crying in the wilderness, you know, even you know, it's like be a voice for the voiceless to say like, Hey, our brothers and sisters are hurting. Our body parts are hurting. And so are we hurt too. Um, and when there's that healthy integration, even if it's not in your congregation, but when there's solidarity, you're having a podcast, you got Tyler on there, you got me on there. Pretty sure you got others on there. When you're doing that kind of thing, you're training your people to think about the Imago day, not to only think about their own way. Right. And as that happens, what, what, what happens is like, they start to feel things just like you would if you kick your pinky toe, right? You know, on it, on it, on it. It's like, man, that's an insignificant part of your body, but my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, not so much, right? It's that like that. Hurt that bad. I'm trying to tell you. So you might have small numbers of diversity. Yeah. You might have maybe even a somewhat mono ethnic or monocultural church. You may want to grow into, you know, grow um, 
in 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 mirroring what's in your community or whatnot but at this stage you can already be listening and learning and learn how to lament with and i think that that is what actually will contribute to becoming a more diverse church because when people come into your church they feel welcome they don't feel like a token they don't feel like a project they don't feel like a unicorn it's like hey we're just the people of god here we're regular people we all are the same one race one blood and we all have the same uh, need you know in our brokenness so kind of spiderwebbed a little bit but i would definitely okay. say like you know learning learning that man how to how to lament with your brothers and sisters if you don't feel something about the things that we repeatedly see and kind of that rapid secession that we got hit with and COVID 19 puts us all on the internet because we're all at home working from home you know not going out not working in our offices not gathering at the church and things like that and we just see a quick like oh there's three people who are cut down by what appears to be some white supremacy and 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 racism uh and it unearths this like we're still divided it calls us to attention right yeah. like i think that is enough we don't need anything else to at this point say like okay there's there's work for us to do and the church is the only institution that is uniquely um uh stationed in the world to bring about that peace and shalom and reconciliation it's a biblical thing right it's yeah. it has social um uh like you know impact but it's just biblical for us to be one and to be about the imago day and be about others so mm. yeah that's uh you know that Starts with listening, just like Tyler said, right? But yeah, yeah, it does. You know, go into it. We're trying to learn. I mean, I, I say, I'm trying to learn more about lament. Um, I don't think it's something that that we, um, especially in in more predominantly white white cultures, white especially us middle class cultures, think think through too much. Um, mainly because I just don't think we've had to we've had the same kinds of um, needs to lament. Like I, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. But one third of the Psalms is lamenting. Um, and so there's obviously a need uh, for it. And I, we've talked to some of the pastoral team about it, trying to do some understanding of it. Um, read, read, I mean, the, the list that you gave, which I'll, maybe I'll try and put in the, the show notes here, but okay. um, is really, really good. I, we've, we've, I've, I've, I put it out on Facebook when it first came out, all the resources that you gave. Yeah. Um, Man, it's it's really helpful. We've we've tried to we've tried to read um, a number of a number of resources and books, listen to podcasts. Uh, beatty has been helpful. Um, the guys from Past the Mic have been helpful. Which Martin the, um, you know, be the bridge has been helpful. Yep. Like just trying to, and what you get is you get this more well-rounded. Man, there's a lot of there's a lot to lament over. I mean, yeah. I just you don't you don't understand it sometimes, and I don't. Think I fully grasp it at all, but but what is it about? So you said um, we put those who weep. You know that that verse from Romans. We put those who weep rejoice with those who rejoice. Yeah. We like to major on at least I should say, talk about myself. I like to major on rejoicing with those who rejoice. You know, and I um, that's where we want to sit and stay, which isn't wrong. Yeah, it's we're called to do that. It's good. Um, but if we're never weeping with those who weep, um, I think I just think we maybe we're missing something. I don't know. Yeah. Give me, give me a little bit about lament. Give me a little bit about what we should, how we yeah. should think of it. Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, I can tell you a couple resources that have been helpful. Um, you know, Mark Forgot is a pastor in Indianapolis and a friend of mine is there kind of in a, a ministry position and role alongside him in just discipleship in their church. Yeah. And he told me, it feels like four years ago, something like that, that they were getting ready to work through some things, you know, as a church in these kind of like these DNA groups. Um, and they were just starting really small, but then Mark was writing a book and the book would go on to be a bestseller. A lot of people have heard of it. It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, right? Yeah. How lament opens, uh, or it just is, you know, the, the biblical mercy of lament, if you would, is kind of uh, what the book is about. And a lot of people just felt like we learned so much from that book because it, just like you said, you know, you got the Psalms, right? You got the prophets and you just see how lament is so much a part of the people of God's story and worship and our interaction um, in, in a fallen world with a God who controls everything. And it's just, uh, that's how we are real. Yeah. And get, get in touch with our, our, uh, our realness. Um, but what was happening at the time that Mark was writing that book is he was also meeting with this diverse group of leaders in their church, talking about areas in their church and community where they were divided, ethnically, culturally, socioeconomically. And I mean, they hit a lot of the ethnic and cultural because that's Indianapolis. You're talking previously KKK headquarters. You're yeah. talking about if you, their black and white is like the stark contrast of right. what black and white represents. And they have a large church. I think maybe a thousand plus people. And so he's trying to figure out how do I shepherd all these people as one? Yeah. Well, on my birthday this year, the book came out, Weep With Me, July 15th this year. Weep With Me, how lament opens a door for biblical reconciliation. That was what they had really been working through the whole time before Mark even wrote the other book. Mm. You know, and so what he shows is by testimony, how leading the church to embrace the weeping in the morning and to understand the African-American experience has been full of lament the whole way. That's how you get the, the, the spirituals, a lot of the hymns and even just the fact that we would continue to worship Christ in the midst of slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, right? The Southern Baptist denomination is born out of the fact that we want to keep segregation, you know, and things like that. And yet we kept the faith along the way. There's been, lament has just been a part of it. Not, not a whole lot to rejoice about other than the gospel. <laughs> exactly. And so he highlights that and he brings the historical perspectives together, maps it on biblically and beautifully and just helps you to think through it. So I've been leading my church through that, you know, preaching through the Psalms, reading that kind of material with us and helping us to think about those things, because I think that that's the foundation on which uh, a reconciliation is built. And um, I, I feel like the, the, you know, I, I just commend those resources to you so that it's not cheapened by like, you know, a quick, you know, comment or whatnot. I think your people should definitely grab those books and be able to read them from a personal um, 
from a perspective of, of like the personal experience from a white pastor who's pastoring a diverse congregation and wants to see people become one and, and like the trouble and the trials that actually went, that they went through in um, trying to bring that together, you know? Yeah, yeah so, that's good. That's good, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. That's helpful. That's helpful. We'll put those, we'll put that in our, um, in those, those resources to our Amazon. We'll go we'll into them. So if anybody wants to get you just go in the, the notes here. Um, one, more, one more quick question on diversity. Um, what's the difference between being ethnically diverse and culturally diverse in a church? Um, because I, I just, I think we can, I think what we, when we say we want diversity, I, I shouldn't say, I don't think, I'm afraid that when we say we want diversity, what we think um, sometimes is ethnic diversity. But we're unwilling to take the steps to get culturally diverse because that's, it's one thing to just have color in your room. It's another thing to have different cultural experiences that isn't your preference or your background or your desire mixed together because then everybody's got to give. Like if we're given, you know, if we're given cultural diversity, if there's somebody coming from a Hispanic background, you, you bring some of that into your church and then they're, but they're going to have to give some of what they want away. And if you have an African-American context, they're going to the same way in a white context. And all of a sudden it becomes cultural diversity, but that's the church though. Like that's what the church should be. Sure. So give me, give me your thoughts, like differences between ethnic and cultural diversity. And how we should think mm. of that. You know, sometimes uh, Doug Logan talks about that gumbo pot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the <gumbo laughs> Slow cooker, right? Everybody in the pool, <laughs> all the spices, all, all the veggies, all the seafood, you throw it all in there. And um, it's not that it mixes down into one thing where it dies into a melting pot. It actually yeah. just becomes this rich diversity that's more enjoyable because we all contribute. And that, that's what I think uh, gets lost when we talk about diversity from a high level and we don't get, bring it down to what you just brought it down to. So ethnic diversity is just that. Yeah, you got people from diverse ethnic contexts who are in one place. Uh, ethnic diversity happens a lot when the Cardinals play. Everybody comes in, they all put on their hats, and they all become what? We Cardinals fans, yeah. right? And so they're out there and they're rooting them on. But when they drive away, they go back and they don't really consider themselves to be one because it's all just something that brought us together at one place. It's pretty superficial. We all wore the jersey. We all cheer for the same thing. The church shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be that we come together and we can tolerate and put up with each other for a, for a short period of time because we're all singing about Jesus, but we go back into a divided and a segregated like context and, and life and living. The church should be a place where we come together and we actually are integrated and we, we see like uh, that cultural diversity is making its way into the way we sing, the way we preach, the way that we uh, worship, the things that we eat, the, the events that we plan, the holidays that we celebrate, because we have a rich diversity of people who are here and their culture doesn't come here and die just because they put the team jersey on for a moment and we make them assimilate to the dominant culture. And so, um, you know, you use the word, you know, colorful, right? And I tell, I tell people that all the time, like, be careful that you're not just doing something that would lead you toward having kind of a multicolored uh, church and not just, and, and not a multicultural church. Um, 
when you have cultures come into uh, the, the same church, it becomes a beautiful thing where you experience the richness of ethnic diversity. Because now a person gets to come and be themselves, be known, you know, know and be known as say a Mexican American individual who's different than the Guatemalan and different than the El Salvadorian. And when you have community group and missional communities happening on Wednesday and Thursday night, it's like we're not always having the same kinds of dishes. And we're also able to help people to like know and love more about the culture. It's like, oh man, we got tacos and we also got um, pupusas, right? And, and, and they're not one and the same and, and, and uh, so on and so forth. So I think it's just, it becomes a place where there's, we experience the Imago Day and all that it was created and intended to be. If Acts chapter 17, you know, Paul's preaching to Areopagus and he says from one family he made every single, or from one man he made every single family lives on the earth. We go back to Adam, we understand that. Well, God's intended design is that the diversity of the human race would be experienced by all of us because not one dominant ethnicity or culture is the most glory giving to him. In order to experience the diversity and the beauty of the triune God that is a unity and diversity, Father, Son, Spirit, we actually need all of us. And he created male, female, and everything in between on the, the ethnic and cultural um, uh, scale to do that. So it takes more work. That means that you're going to bring in different um, illustrations sometimes. And, you know, if you're teaching through something in your small group, it means that you're going to uh, think about how to, like I said, celebrate uh, things or even just like what you just said, what you said to me, is I think the people at Anchor Church need to really understand how privileged they are to be able to have had conversations with Tyler St. Clair right after Ahmaud Arbery because you got to see and experience what, how, how is this gospel-centered African-American man who's in our diverse global family up in the Midwest thinking through these things, Yeah. right? Uh, how's he thinking through these things and how can I be thinking through them? It's like it, it informs you and it makes it more rich as opposed to it being something that's like still, um, I, I mean, divide is not the word, but yeah, superficial. Yeah. You superficial know? is a good word. I think yeah. that's good. That, the Cardinal Stadium and that, that, that metaphor is really helpful. I think I had never thought about that, but man, that is, that is helpful. That's not the church. Right. Um, to rally around something and then go away separately. The world does the world does ethnic diversity better than the church ever will. Yeah. Because it's just based in tolerance. Yeah, right. You know what? They shrink those scales down so far. It's like you could be a you could be a man who wanna be a dog now. And like you you cool, you you can you can jump in with us. Yeah. Right? You can right. I mean it's just like whatever. Yeah. But the issue is like that's still not real. Tolerance is not what the gospel calls it to. Gospel calls us to. Gospel calls us to oneness, and yeah. oneness is something that says that I'm going to outdo you. It's like the one another's right. All of a sudden, becomes something that we can even work out in the context of cross cultural relationships. Yeah. Outdoing one another with showing honor. First, First Corinthians, like the the body analogy. And you think about the fact that we show greater honor on those uh, members of ours that, uh, that, that need it. We're all indispensable members of each other. We start being connected at deep levels as opposed to like in the superficial ways. 
and uh, we see the glory of God, man. Beautiful things happen when we see our reconciliation with the Father begin to express itself in the reconciliation that we have with one another because it's like we start to really realize what it means that we are one. Yeah, that's good. Get into that. And so multicultural expressions of local church ministry give us the opportunity to do opportunities to do that and every church is going to be different and i would say the way that you fight it from being tokenism or disingenuine is like you don't just go out and say okay so then we're just going to go over here and like pretend this or you know like oh we're going to all uh act as if we were this no we're going to we're going to say who do we have in our church and who are we reaching and how can we celebrate that and how can we platform that how can we speak to that and speak for that and so on and so forth because we're all one body so it's not just the dominant um you know perspective that has the voice and the representation in fact for that first corinthians passage that talks about the body tells me that i need to be more about or i need to be uh, laser focused on how to um lift the underrepresented voices in my church you know yeah. so if you have a, a hispanic woman find out what her hispanic you know ethnic heritage is and you know start to get to know her personally and individually and start to affirm that and bring that into um you know body life in in all the various ways that you can you know um holidays are helpful for that uh, food selections are helpful for that uh, you may not need to start singing in Spanish today, uh, but it might be, might be a, a great expression, you know, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, that's good. Make sure everybody brings their, their best cultural dish and let's just enjoy it all at the same, hey, same hey, time. That's absolutely what you do. Yeah. That's the best that's way to do it. Food is a level, man. Food is a level of pieces all together. Yeah, that's it's, right. Shoot. <laughs> all right. So let's go rapid fire. So we don't take forever here, because but I do want to get to a couple other things. You have right. eight kids. Um, I could actually talk to you about diversity for a long time. So I might have to have you on again because I think we talk more about this stuff. You can but, have me. Yeah, you can have me over. You can have me over. I mean, I, I actually I would love to come having you come. We just talked about having you. Come. I'd love to have you come preach at our church, man. I'd love to have you oh, come. I, over. I didn't say I was gonna preach. That's, oh, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want you to come. <laughs> and when you're over here, we'll have you over. And I'll and I'll and I'll smoke you some ribs, and then you can enjoy and we'll and we'll talk as we're gonna talk about ribs. We're gonna talk about smoking some meat here in a second. I, All I, right, let's go. I've seen you do it, but before I get to there, um, you have eight kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the one thing that you've learned that has helped to, to raise your kids that you wish you knew before you had kids? Give me just give some help some parents here. Mm. One one thing that you one thing that's that uh, has helped you raise your kids you've learned along the way that you just man I just wish I knew this before yeah. I had kids. I'm still learning, man, and I'm learning the hard way. Mm. Um, you know what? Because we're, I'm, I'm not I'm not just saying this because we just had the ethnic and cultural diversity conversation, but there's a principle of getting to know individuals individually mm. that really applies. And you have to remember that with a big family. Mm. I could tribalize my kids. We're Ross crew. And everybody is, the, and, you know, treat them and think that they're all the same. My wife helps me so much to remember that child doesn't need that kind of leadership. That child doesn't need that kind of discipline. This child is totally differently 
are different than that one emotionally and so on and so forth. And so cultivating individual relationships and trying to be intentional with that is something that I have learned and I'm still learning that with, uh, with my youngest children, I need to do that on purpose and with focus and with my oldest children. So I have a 19 year old college student and I have a two year old in diapers, you know, and I got everything in between. Yeah. And it's like, I have to be able to know them as individuals. And um, I think that that is like, probably something that's on my plate most because that can be a, that can be a nice little circus <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Getting FaceTime and individual time and finding out what's going on in their minds and in their world and what they like and what their dislikes are, their comfort levels. I have a daughter right now who is out leading protests in our community and I have a son who begged me not to and doesn't even want me to say anything about it because he's fearful. How do mm -hmm. I shepherd and lead both of them? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a good word. That's yeah. a really good word. I'm thinking about my, my kids too. Like, how do I, how do I make sure I'm doing that with them? Um, I heard someone once say that parenting um, isn't the raising of kids, but it's the raising of parents. God uses God uses parenting to actually mature us as as parents yeah. along the way. What has God taught you about yourself in parenting, man? Oh, what has God taught you? Yeah, I mean, you don't. It's just like getting married too, right? Uh, Shoot, sure, like. You don't know you're impatient and selfish until you're walking through Vons and you're just throwing Frosted Flakes in the... It's like, y'all got married last week, you're going grocery shopping. She don't eat that. And you can't just keep... <laughs> you can't just go do what you used to do. It's like, what kind of cereal are we buying? <laughs> so I, I feel like the parenting thing, and I learned so much about my need to grow, and it really comes out in fatherhood in areas where I'm... I'm pretty, um, I can be angry, yeah. be short. The Lord is long suffering. His loving kindness is, you know, think about his steadfast love and how it is faithful to us and that it is compassionate and it's slow to anger. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like God just challenges me regularly with that. Dealing mm. with things with my teenage son, even in the last couple days has reminded me of the grace that God extends to me and the the faithful love that he gives to me and how that's what I'm called to bend out and extend toward my uh, son and oftentimes it's like you get well into whatever the issue is at hand before you realize that okay that would be out of step with like what God has called me to and so I feel like it's like on the job training I'm constantly having to exercise that, but it's taught me, um, you know, it's taught me uh, a lot in that regard. And I'll just say this, I know I'm kind of getting long-winded on that question, but I'll say this, it's also taught me about God's goodness. So it's taught me a lot about myself, but it's also taught me about like my value and what redemption actually means for myself, because I'm the guy who was raised in a single mom home. My dad wasn't there. In fact, my dad was known in the community as being into drugs and things like that. And so for God to actually heal those things and redeem them in my life, it just shows me like nobody is outside of this. Like you yeah. can't change. I don't get an opportunity to be like, well, I'm just this way. This is the way I was created. This is the way I was raised. Like, no, actually God has shown me like you can change, yeah. you know? And so yeah. that's been a beautiful thing to like live into and, and discover 
along the way. That's good. Yeah, God loves to God loves to fix the impossible situations. You got it. Yeah, that's right. good, bro. All right, let's talk about the really important stuff. So we talked about these things. They're they're important, really important oh, wow. things. Um, what do you prefer to smoke, brisket or ribs? What's your favorite? <laughs> what's the What's the better uh, What's the better option? Oh, man, the brisket is more rewarding. Oh man, it's also harder. <laughs> I, absolutely, I love the challenge. I'm up for it. And I'm always trying to tweak one last thing, right? And you just think about with the ribs, it's kind of like, oh, did I mop them or not? Was it dry or wet? And was it slab or baby back? You know, you know, am I talking about some, uh, you know, different kinds of things like that? Beef ribs or pork ribs, all that stuff, they, they, it is different. But when you do a brisket, typically you're keeping most of it the same and it's just my, maybe a little longer on the smoke maybe a little less on the pepper, more on the salt, all that kind of stuff. Like I like doing, I like brisket for sure. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is I'm typically smoking a whole packer brisket. And I don't, even though I got a big family, like anybody don't eat that much. Yeah, I so know. I'm always trying to figure out an excuse to bring people over to cook this 15 to 17 pound piece of cow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's but man, what you, you can, you you can right. tell what I can get passionate about. <laughs> when you do it right though, I just and you you started doing you started doing over quarantine maybe you did this before I just I saw it but you're doing like what did you call it backyard what did you backyard call it? barbecue back, no backyard barbecue back, back yeah. backyard barbecue while you're while you're smoking some meat you're you're talking and bringing the word yeah. to bear I think yeah. it's great um, do you use do you just use a smoker are you still in a grill or you're like now nah, I'm a smoker guy at this point I'm gonna smoke everything. Yeah, you know what? I'm I got I got a kind of diversity going right now. So I got like a smoker, um, and I'm also using my old kettle grill. You know, just the regular old Weber. I tell people all the time, like if you can get it right on this, you can do anything else. This is the this is the one, right? Yeah. Um, some of the best meat comes out of that bad boy. Yeah. Anybody can do this. And then I also am loving using my uh, ceramic cooker. So uh, most people know like the the. Um, Green Egg, Kamado uh, Joe, whatever. I have a Pit Boss ceramic cooker, and it's like, man, I just absolutely love cooking on that thing. So I cook on it more than anything else because okay. I can get the high temperatures when I'm grilling, and I can hold that low temperature for the brisket and go to sleep at night, you know, and let it but go over. All night. And it's smoking all night, and it's keeping that temp, so. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I bought a, a Traeger uh, last in March, okay. and I've just been – I'm like, dude, I could, I've smoked three briskets mm. uh, and the first one took 15 hours and I, it didn't finish until like after dinner. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I cut into that thing and it was, it was just like, it was amazing. yeah, cause I'm, I'm following, I'm following, nobody cares about this but us. That's okay. I'm following, uh, I went on Franklin's cause Franklin's yeah. has a, uh, he's got a YouTube video on how to smoke, how to smoke his brisket. Like this is how I do it. So yep. like, I'm just gonna follow this thing. Yep, it's legit. All right, well, let's see. Um, you ever smoked a turkey for Thanksgiving? I'm thinking about doing that this year. Absolutely, and it's probably the best turkey I've ever had. Oh man! I grew up in a home where mom was gonna throw one in the oven. My my wife's family lived across the street. Her mom cooked a killer oven, basted it like I mean, just a great roasted turkey, right? Uh, and then my stepdad would always go and deep fry a turkey so i grew up in a home tasting all that 
everything. When I first smoked the turkey, I said to myself, like, man, I don't think I'm ever going to eat any of those other ones. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is, and it doesn't take too long either. No, that's what I've heard. Yeah. A lot of butter, a lot of butter right? Mm-hmm. Dry out. Yeah, I made a little butter, like some rosemary and some thyme. And, you know, I mean, just basting that bad boy every 30 minutes. And it's good. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was telling Tiffany, my wife, I said, I think, I think we should have people over this Thanksgiving. I'm going to smoke the turkey. Heck yeah, um, do it. And we'll make it, we'll make it happen. I'm going to so. tell you where you're going to be sold. It's going to be when you cut into the breast and it's so moist that you don't want any of the dark meat. That's where you're going to say, what in the world is this? Like, I'm used to this not being the case. It is crazy flavorful and moist. Um, and and on, on, on a Traeger, yeah, you will win. All right. All right. I'm going to do it. You've convinced me. I'm, I'm making it happen this, this year. Okay. I want to see pics. I'll send it to you, man. Hey, thanks for jumping on with us. Um, yeah. Where can we learn more from you? Um, how, can we, how can we follow you, benefit from your wisdom, see more from you? No doubt. Well, Arise Ventura has, um, you know, sermon links and some videos if everybody, if anybody ever wants to hear like formal something, but I'm on Instagram talking about my love for barbecue and coffee. So it's like family barbecue and coffee is really all you're going to find out about me on Instagram uh, at Urban Spurgeon. And then on Twitter and Facebook, I can also be found at Urban Spurgeon. And that's probably where I'm like, um, you know, talking about or giving sound bites and things like that so that's my social media handles and whatnot but uh, for the most part I, I try to be accessible to any and everyone so if you hit me on that then we can chat about uh you know whatever you need awesome yeah awesome. it's been great having you man thanks for jumping on with us so i'm gonna have you on again because i'd like to talk a little bit more about these things it is a this is a it's just such a hot topic this this time, um, and we want to make sure that we're being biblical on how we're thinking through it. And you're, you've you've helped us, so been good. Thank you. Yeah, man. Well, this has been uh, outside our walls. Thank you guys for jumping on. Looking forward to next time. We'll see you soon. See. Ya.